Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson is the recipient of the 2018 Michigan Association of Broadcasters Broadcast Excellence Award for Best Weekend Shows. Now, here's Phil and Jerry. Anyone can count the number of seeds in an apple, but who among us can count the number of apples in a seed? When we started Food for Thought, we had no idea, not an inkling, that we would now be the hosts of an award-winning show. So now we want you to hear some of the tremendous interviews that enabled Food for Thought to become a 2018 winner of the MAB Broadcast Excellence Award. In order to change the conversation about food security in Michigan, Food for Thought engages leaders from as many sectors as we can, because all leaders, whether they know it or not, will benefit from solving this problem. So enjoy the following interviews, which are examples of how leaders are adopting food-first strategies in their sectors. These leaders are the reason Food for Thought has become a recipient of MAB's Broadcast Excellence Award, and you, our listeners, are what keep moving us onward and upward. People are an organization's greatest asset. This statement is popular among organizational psychologists, business consultants, and leadership gurus, yet has recently come under scrutiny from some business leaders who have shifted away from this value proposition. I can't understand how this thinking is justified. Whether you are a capitalist or a socialist, the individual holds the greatest value because nothing happens without them, even in the age of automation. In fact, I think the value proposition is too narrow. I think we should expand its application and think like this. People are a community's most valuable asset. This kind of changes the view of our neighborhood. From our donors to our drivers, from our volunteers to our warehouse workers, from our board members to the farmers that support our work, from the client who needs a little help for a little while to the individual who needs us for a while longer. They are all worthy of investment. We are back on Food for Thought in just a moment when I want to collect Jerry's thoughts on this topic. Come back and be with us in just a moment. Food for Thought is taking a look at some of the shows that have helped make them the 2018 MAB Broadcast Excellence Award winner for Best Weekend Show. Once again, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. We're back here on Food for Thought. Thanks, everyone. Jerry, I think I kind of butchered your quote there in my monologue a little bit. I didn't get exactly right, but... but I, why don't you say it for us? And then really what I want to do is kind of peel the layer off that onion about how you got to that thought. Yeah, so I I didn't think you butchered it that bad, Phil. I just want to say for the record, it was fine. But but the 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 statement is this, you know, we need to have a paradigm shift from people are needy to people are worth investing in Hmm. because it changes how you decide to take action when you move from one to the next. Now, charity is solid. It's good. It's important. It motivates a lot of people. And and 
and it's it's you know most religions have a call to helping needy people and right. so we're not going to take anything away from that but if you stay in that space that people are needy and people who have should just give back to them you're not really giving as much credit to the people you're helping as they deserve sure. and that leads to stories it leads to assumptions about who are the people getting helped Are they basically sitting down waiting for help to come their way or are they actively engaged in the solution? And one of the things that I believe after 30 or more years at this work is that the solution to food insecurity or hunger is going to come and generally does come from the people who are hungry, picking themselves up and doing what they have to do. Now, you would say, but Jerry... We've not, the problem is still with us. How could that be true? And here's how it's true. Because it's not a static problem. It's not the same people. Hmm. So people go in and out of crisis in their life. And depending on where you start in that process, if you start with a lot of wealth or a lot of capacity, right. then when you get a crisis, you don't dip down as far or for as long. But when you start with less capacity... Then when you have a crisis, you dip down farther and longer. But people are going up and down and up and down. They're coming in and out. So I'll give you some concrete ways that we know this. During the Great Recession, the average amount of time people needed emergency food once they accessed a pantry was 28 months. Now it's less than a year. So what does that say? Did people stop needing help? Yeah. That's what it says, that they got the help they needed to get through the crisis. And most people are embarrassed to ask for help. I'm telling you. Right. They're helping themselves. They're moving themselves up. But how far can you get? So people, on average, low-income people carry between two and $4,000 worth of debt. Mm-hmm. And that debt is something they're managing generally successfully. Generally. Not that there aren't issues, but generally they're managing it successfully. And they get in debt because they don't want to ask for help, for one thing, but also because their work life is changing and they go through periods where they need to get take on some debt as a strategy for getting through this crisis in their life. The fact that they have that debt isn't about big screen TVs. It's about paying the rent, the child care, the utilities, and the food bills every month. Transportation. Without asking for help. Mm -hmm. So when we say people are worth investing in, what are we saying? What we're saying is if we can make that upward trajectory easier and faster, we're going to see less people in line. Now, that's not as good a solution as giving everyone a living wage job, right? right? But it's an important part of the story that we need to tell. So that's why when we say people are worth investing in, we're investing in that part of people that wants to be self-sufficient already. Now, does that mean there's nobody that doesn't fit a paradigm of they just can't be helped? No, of course. You can see anything in this world you want to look for. But fundamentally, if we change our idea from people are needy to people are worth investing in, and we start to develop the the logic models and the data to support how much investment it takes to really help people move along and what are the best and least expensive ways to help first, 
we can start doing what people who have household debt do. You pay off the easy things first, then you take the accumulated resources of what's next, you pay off the next biggest thing, and over time you end up paying off all your debt. So that is an excellent explanation, and I understand how you got there. People People are not just people in need, but people are worthy of investing in. So it speaks to charity, and God bless those who are charitable, right? But at the same time, it shifts our thinking about the value of a person. Now, don't we do this with our own children? Of course we do. We're building that into them, that sense of self-worth and that value and that, that hope, and, and to some degree, even that expectation that you're going to be something, and it's going to matter, and it's going to make a difference, and you're going to, you're important, and there's no one else like you. Well, did that all of a sudden go away because somebody had a financial crisis and they found themselves in need? Well, and again, it's the story of who we help that's important to keep coming back to. There's not a story. There's literally hundreds of thousands of stories. And many of the people we help have great parents. Mm-hmm. And between health issues and you know th- their general ability to handle a crisis because they're just more or less capable of doing that and all of the other things that come together to put someone in a situation hey look the th- none of us are saving a bunch of money none of us or not none but pretty close to none when you look at the <laughs> facts about savings in this country the richest country in the world none of us are saving a lot of money so y- y- we're all alike in that we're not ready for a crisis right yeah i well that's true i mean uh there's a lot more of us i think that are living paycheck to paycheck than what we'd probably like to admit no matter how my big art that paycheck is right and so, you know, that's the kind of thing that, that we see all the time. And again, it's not that you can't pick holes in that or find people who are gaming the system and other things. But it's not, by and large, what we deal with every day. It's people who want to help themselves. It's people who have some capacity. We need to invest in that capacity so they can do what they need to do, which is what they want to do, move on with their life and not have other people telling them what to do. Right. Yeah. So um, give us the paradigm shift one more time. What's the thought? The thought is this. We're going to move from a place where we say people are needy to a place where we say people are worth investing in. So that statement to me, Jerry, says a little bit more about us than it does about them. Well, it says a lot about us, and it says a lot about who needs to be at the table to solve this. Right. He's Jerry Brisson. He's the CEO and president at Gleaners Community Food Bank here in Southeast Michigan. He's also the chair of the Food Bank Council of Michigan Board of Directors. And uh, he is a thought leader in this work for across this nation in the Feeding America Network. And I want to thank you for being my co-host and my friend. We're going to come back in a few moments, and I'm going to introduce you to someone else that has given their life to this great work of creating food security for seniors and children and everybody in between. You come back and be with us here on WJR. This is Food for Thought. This is one of the shows that made Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brasson the MAB Broadcast Excellence Award-winning weekend show for 2018. 
Now, to further the conversation on people being worthy of investment, here's an interesting conversation that Jerry and Phil had at a recent Mac Policy Conference on Mackinac Island with the Small Business Association's Rob Fowler. Welcome back to Food for Thought, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here on the parlor from the Grand Hotel in Mackinac Island with our guest, second-time guest. That's right. Reoccurring guest. Expertise. That's like it. Rob Fowler, CEO and President for the Small Business Association of Michigan. Rob, welcome back to Food for Thought. Thanks, Phil. Happy to be back. Well, it's great. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it right at you right off the bat here. The last time you were on the show, first time you were on the show, you made a statement about a minimum wage that if we moved it to $15 an hour abruptly, that it would really impact Michigan families and particularly small businesses owned by Michigan families. And every time I introduce you, I always introduce you as a man who stands in the gap for Michigan families. So would you still stand by that statement or have things changed? Um, things have not changed. I think that is, is true. And, you know, I think fundamentally our, our position is and has been that the market does a pretty good job of setting the wage. And I would offer Exhibit A, Michigan Today. Mm-hmm. I mean, the truth is, when the labor market's tight, as it is today, um, t- wages are being driven up by the competition for talent and um, driven up at a, at a pace that the economy can actually absorb it. So very often, in order to pay higher wages, companies have to raise their prices. Mm-hmm. And raising their prices in, at a pace that consumers can actually accept it right. means that you don't you don't go out of business because all of a sudden your customers have gone away on you. It means that the economy is um, is growing, which is that's rising. You know, um, it's the old rising tides raise all boats. That, sure. That's how we feel like uh, wages ought to be set. For the government to come in and sort of say, no, you know, it, it ought to be something higher. There is a whole ripple effect to that, and the ripple effect is prices go up. Some businesses can't survive at a at a price that's higher than their customers are willing to pay. Mm-hmm. So b- businesses actually fail. And the more abrupt that changes, the more you see businesses fail. And then people are out of jobs as a result. And our lines get longer. <laughs> yes. Yes. So <laughs> this one is always one of those where it's it's actually for the those people who are proponents of raising the minimum wage, um, it hurts exactly the people they're trying to help with it. So the, the economics of it are never as good as, um, as they hope it will be. Mm-hmm. And they act as if there are no consequences to raising the, mission, the minimum wage. Right. Well, and I think another thing that you said last time you were on the show, and it's good to remind people because who remembers, right? Right. You said, well, if $15 works, why not make it 50 Right. I mean, if the if the dynamics of 15 works, why wouldn't 50 work, you know? And well, I, it's like if, if there's no consequence for that Exactly decision. right. And so I, I do think that it's we have to look at all of the levers. What we're talking about is income sufficiency in households. Right. And we know that wages are a critical lever in income sufficiency. And most people would rather work than anything else in order to support themselves. Right. All right, so what happens when the... A level that a business can reasonably pay for something to be done is less than a living wage. Mm-hmm. And that's a really, really important question. So it, th- some people propose raise the minimum wage to take care of that. And we know that that has undesirable consequences as well as it would help some people. Mm-hmm. So let's get, here's the people that need help on the board. Let's look at who they are. Let's look at all the levers we have to help them so that 
everyone can be self-sustaining to some degree or at least live in a house where there's enough. Self-sufficient. And decide, now let's overlay policy with that. Let's overlay policy with minimum wage and other things so that we can come up with solutions that have the least undesirable consequences and the most desirable consequences. Does that make sense? Does that sound right? It, it does. And, you know, I mean, I think uh, the, the reality of minimum wage jobs is most people don't spend a lot of time in them. They are usually a, a part of a journey, an early step in a, in a journey, a career. Uh, and very often, it's the really young people who, who spend time in a minimum wage job, getting experience, making themselves more valuable in the marketplace, mm-hmm. and moving on from there. If we, the, the, the terminology that's always used in this minimum wage discussion is cutting off the bottom rungs. If you cut off the bottom rungs, it's hard to get to the, to the next one. And so, so often, minimum wage or low-skilled jobs are the, are the ones that people take in order to get skills and to get experience and to move, move up in the marketplace. To, there's a couple different ways to raise your wages. One of them is to change jobs, to get more experience, mm-hmm. be more valuable in the marketplace, and, and move up. So we, we sort of come to this place that jobs are not static. In fact, more and more, they are not static. In fact, people spend less and less time in long-term careers and more, more time sort of moving through from job to job. And that's the way a lot of people improve themselves and improve their household income. So you can't, you can't actually go and say all jobs must pay this or pretty soon there will be no jobs at that entry level. And it really hurts people who've got no experience and no skills. So it puts pressure on them. And it puts pressure on them to succeed that may be counterproductive. Right, right. And it accelerates the thing that's actually really hurting, hurting people with no skills, no experience, and that is technology. Yep. So we will replace a lot of those low-skilled jobs with technology when the price of labor gets to be too high. And especially if it's artificially high. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think that's the, that's the fight here. Lots of well-meaning people get behind this notion of, you know, we, we need an across-the-board minimum wage. Um, and it has real consequences. One of the things that we, you know, truth is $12 in Detroit is different than $12 in the UP or in Ironwood. And um, we, have, we have members in the UP who say, listen, the labor market's different here. Mm-hmm. The cost structure is different. It costs less to live there. So one size fits all um, public policy. We've seen this enough to know that, that it really doesn't work. And it will have consequences in places that people just aren't thinking about yet. Well, I think that's one of the points that makes the self-sufficiency standard that we've commissioned and now is published so important because we do know what it takes for 719 different household types across all 83 counties of Michigan and what it means for them to be self-sufficient. So they don't need us and they don't need the government. They're able to support themselves. And so we know what that number is. And I think to Jerry's point about Taking the, uh, the, 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 the section of people who are affected by this, and then now let's lay over the policies and all of the levers that we can bring both from the government and from the private sector as well as the charitable sector to see how can we get them and help them reach self-sufficiency because we know what that number is. Right. We've never known it before. Now we do. And, and knowing what we're shooting for. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the work that United Way has done around Alice, describing right. this asset limited. Um, what's the what's income that? constrained? Yeah. And I, I think that's that's a that's a reality. And and how do you help Alice in this uh, in this discussion? 
I think uh, a good economy is a, helping Alice in a pretty big way. Sure. There's no question about it. I, I think in my work what I find is that the, the most difficult questions come with um, when you have capacity issues for many, many different reasons and you have people who are certainly capable of doing something but they might not be capable of what the average person can do. You're, you're always going to need some kind of a safety net that's purely driven by helping people who right. need help because they just don't have what it takes. But I will tell you that even though that's true and we know the safety net has to be there, um, there's a lot of people, the vast majority of people, that with a little bit of investment want to do everything else for themselves. Right. I say it this way. Few people wake up in the morning and say, I want to be fixed today, right? They know what they want, and they know what they want to do to get there, and they're willing to do things to get there. They're not looking to be fixed. So I agree with you that, that the, the way that the economy works to, to help drive wages is a critical thing to understand, recognizing that what people want is to be successful more than they want to be helped. Well said. Well said. Agreed. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. If you can hang with us for a few more minutes, we want a couple more really easy questions we want to ask you. <laughs> He's Rob Fowler. He's the CEO and president for the Small Business Association of Michigan. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. This is Food for Thought on WJR. We'll be back in just a moment. This is the award-winning Food for Thought, chosen by the MAB as the best weekend show in the 2018 Broadcast Excellence Awards, with your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening. Don't forget you can find us at foodsecuremichigan.org. Catch up on all of our Food for Thought shows. Jerry Brisson, our co-host, CEO and president at Gleaners Community Food Bank and the chair of the Food Bank Council of Michigan Board of Directors with our guest, Rob Fowler, who's the CEO and president for the Small Business Association of Michigan. And Rob, uh, you and I were talking yesterday, and you just barely mentioned the UP and that economy there and how distinctive it is. But there's a story you have about this issue of minimum wage and, and particularly Ironwood. Can you share that with us? Yeah, so I don't know how many people have been to Ironwood, Michigan. It is far west as you can get in, in the Upper Peninsula. It is um, a town literally on the state board. In fact, it's a town with a state line that runs down the middle of it. Huh. And on the west side, it's Hurley, Wisconsin. And on the east side, it's Ironwood, Michigan. But it's one economy and one, one town. All right. Um, in that town is a company that's, whose uh, president is on our board of directors called Stormy Cromer. I don't know if we know that people know that name, but that's the classic yep. Upper Peninsula hat. It's the flap ears down flap hat. Um, it's been around since 1905. It's a classic Upper Peninsula issue, and um, so that company sits in Ironwood, Michigan. And the CEO said to me, "You know, twelve dollars an hour in Ironwood, Michigan is a pretty high wage. And if this bill or this uh, ballot initiative that's on." likely to be on the ballot this fall or to pass, she is likely to have to just move her company into Hurley. Furthermore, every restaurant that has waiters and waitresses in Ironwood, Michigan, is likely to have to move over to the other side or completely change their model. So I don't know if people understand this. The tipped wage, mm -hmm. the deal in restaurants today is if you're, if you're a waiter or waitress, you get paid, I think it's about $4 an hour by the company, but you keep all your tips. And right. most people do way better than minimum wage with tips. Right. Uh, but this bill would say that the tip wage has to go to $12. 
So now what you have to charge for food would dramatically increase, which means now customers, are they going to keep coming at this higher price? Right. Um, and the only way to get around that is either to say no tipping or to repl- change the business model from, you know, waiters and waitresses coming out to your table to, you know, an iPad at your table and you, you order it and then somebody delivers it to you who you don't tip. I think people don't fully get that those are the implications of a $12 tip wage. Right. But in particular, in Ironwood, if you wanted to still have family service waiters and waitresses, you would have to do that from Hurley, Wisconsin. You'd never be able to compete with the restaurants in Hurley if you were a Michigan company trying to use the same model. Yeah. So it, it has those kinds of... And, you know, and that's, that's dramatic because there's a, it's a city with a state line in the middle of it. But think of Monroe or... Hillsdale or, you know, other right. other New Buffalo places that sit on state borders where just across the across the line is a different labor market. Right. And at least they would have the option to go across the border. But those of us who own a small business in mid-state, we don't really have that option. Right. Right. Well, that's right. I mean, it's 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 at least if you're at the border, you have the option of crossing the border. Right. If you're not at the border, you don't have that option. And the truth is, if people would pay more, people would charge more. Right. right? It's it's right. not like the, the that industry in particular is rolling in it so deep that uh, you know they're wondering what to do with the next dollar. Right. It's a pretty right. tight margin industry, and so those things really do have a massive impact on those types of businesses. Yep. And there's a lot of people working in there. Absolutely, and you know, it's it's also restaurants in particular that are, and and I would say low skill manufacturing, this this sort of where people tend to make minimum wage, is also a place they struggle to provide benefits, mm-hmm. and I think some employees would far rather have healthcare sure. and ten dollars an hour than twelve and nothing, and and those are the trade offs that the, this public policy is going to begin to drive, when the. When the minimum wage goes higher than the market wage. Well, we saw this, and you alluded to earlier, made the statement, when other policy is dictated like this, it has um, consequences, unintended consequences, yes. for the very people it's trying to help. Yeah. I mean, I think we've seen that with the Affordable Care Act and the way that businesses had to adjust. If you made more, worked more than 28 hours, then all these benefits were required. And so what did employers do? They started 27-hour week. Yeah. That's right. You know, because of the enormous cost it is to provide health care. Right. But so. I think that's a consequence, too, of pushing legislation when you can. So, again, it's and we understand the politics of when you have, you know, all of the votes you need, you want to push things through that you believe in. Mm-hmm. But when you do that and you don't really bring the whole conversation to the table to, to say, let's really think this through, Um, What happens is these unintended consequences, and I think that's one of the things that we have to be really, really careful about is not letting the political cycle dictate the pace of legislation. And and I always say, you know, if is it an unintended consequence if you've been warned that that's what's going to happen if you pass the law? So uh, we started the show last year. You were one of our first guests. Uh, This we're in our second year now on Food for Thought here on WJR, so we'd kind of like to probably have you back more often because you do have your pulse on, uh, on what's good, what's best for uh, Michigan families, and that's who Jerry and I and our network yep. is serving. And uh, So we'd like to have you invite you back uh, and make that trip to the Fisher Building with us. Well, I appreciate it, and I've appreciated uh, this, this conversation. I mean, the truth is... Um, a lot of people might think that you would be you would be exactly the voice would say, oh my goodness, yes, we should raise the minimum wage as high as we possibly can. But the, the, a, a rational conversation leads us to 
to being a little more cautious about this. And I appreciate the fact that, that given who you serve, the poor, mm-hmm. uh, that we're cautious about this issue. And I don't think, I think some people are going to listen to that and think that this, this, um, this may be not compute. And I appreciate the fact that you've been this thoughtful about what household income is necessary to be sufficient and how, what it takes in the economy to, to earn that and what could upset the apple cart. So I think you have been uh, extraordinarily thoughtful about this whole thing. And so we're better than food for thought. Yeah. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. We do. We do want to be thoughtful about uh, particularly all the policy that affects the families that we serve. But, um, you know, I mean, in order to have jobs, you got to have employers. <laughs> and, and that's where you and your team come in. Well, I would say states can make their employers do a lot of things, but they can't make them stay, and they can't make them invest. Mm, that's well said. He's Rob Fowler. He's the CEO for the Small Business Association of Michigan. Rob, thanks for being our guest again on Food for Thought, and we're going to continue this conversation as we move through the year. Looking forward to it. All right. Jerry Passan, we'll be back in just a moment to wrap up this edition of Food for Fault. Thanks for listening, everybody. Come back and be with us. We'll be right back. Although it was only their second year on the air, 2018 was an award-winning year for Food for Thought. Now here's more from MAB's winner of the 2018 Broadcast Excellence Award for Best Weekend Show with your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Thanks for listening, everyone. Jerry and I are back here in the uh, Golden Tower of the Fisher Building, WJR studio, and we're going to wrap up our interview there with Rob Fowler about minimum wage. And, you know, Jerry, there's been a host of conversations from our time on Mackinac that directly impact policies that directly impact the people that we serve and quite frankly make it easier easier on us to create food security or harder right and i think um you know i get a lot of questions right when i get back from Mackinac from people saying well what actually did you do or what was accomplished or was it worth going and uh, and of course if you listen to the interviews uh on our show you know the value of those and the value of having time with those very significant people like dan kildian debbie stabenow and and rob fowler and others but there's also an awful lot of value to being present in many many conversations that are going on among leaders to remind people what happens when you don't put food first. Hmm. And so when we think about these issues that are talked about, whether it's issues in education, issues in workforce developments, even issues to some degree in transportation. Um, Hot topic at Mackinac. Hugely important topic. And people debating, you know, whether or not there should be a regional transit and what the impact of that would be. Fundamentally, anything that helps people be self-sufficient is going to be good for all aspects of our community. Now, debating what's the right way to be um, managing the transit issue is, you know, certainly what was going on up there. But from our perspective, we've got to address mobility for people if we're going to have a food secure community. Some way or another, we have to have something that works. Yeah. So somebody might wonder why we're talking about that on our show, Food for Thought and our mission to create food security. But uh, the ability to transport yourself to a job uh, is you know if a job is the best friend you have in in creating food security, uh, if a job is the best social program that there is, 
you got to be able to get there backward and, you know, and back. And so that's why a public transport system, particularly here in southeast Michigan, is vitally important. Yeah, a dependable one that you can count on, that uh, that you're happy to take, that feels safe and clean. I mean, all those kinds of things. Now, of course, people feel like we already have that, or some people feel like we already have that, and we certainly have some great things in, in our bus systems, and so we're not trying to disparage any of the existing work. But we had over 200 employers say publicly, we need to address this. If employers are saying it, I think we should listen. Well, you know, we we base some of the employee resource network um, conversations and work that we're beginning to develop in partnerships on a model out of Grand Rapids, where the gentleman in his company was was uh, forced with a huge amount of turnover, over thirty percent of his employees, and so as he kind of peeled the layer off that onion, he discovered, you know, the primary two reasons people were getting fired. It was because, you know, they were missing work and childcare. And he said, well, I can't really do much about childcare, but by God, I can do something about transportation. And so he hired a mechanic to work full time on his salary, and he worked on his employees' vehicles while they were at work. And all they paid for were the parts. He paid the person to do the labor. So that's one ingenious way. And as you said, if over more than 200 employers in this area are saying, we need to address the transit system, then we need to address the transit system. And when somebody can get to a job and get home again um, and keep that job and grow in that job and that, that income grow, then it makes our job of creating food security for that person and in that community much and easier. And then you attach that to the talent development and some of the other things are being that are being talked about because fundamentally, okay, if you have a job but it doesn't pay a living wage, what do you do about that now? Now you maybe have a way to get there. Now what are the other pieces of the puzzle that need to be managed so that we end up at a place where people are self-sufficient? And of course, self-sufficiency is the only real way to end food insecurity. So sure. complex issues for sure, and that's why we're at Mackinac, right. because we need to listen to what people are saying and let those debates inform our work as then we try to inform their work so that we're working in tandem with each other to come up with strong policies that don't have really bad unintended consequences. Yeah, and make our job, that our mission, much more, much harder. So, the, you know, the other side of that, Jerry, is you said, and we're listening to these debates and the issues that, are, that our communities are facing. And you're exactly right, and we should listen. I mean, God gave us two ears and one mouth. We ought to listen twice as much as we talk. Hmm, I hope no one from my family heard that. <laughs> so... So, um, but we're we're not we are listening, but we're not just listening. I mean, I don't want people to think that we're just, you know, chameleons that are blending in here. We have a voice too, and that voice, uh, this particular uh, trip to Mackinac, was to share the perspective that, regardless of what you're doing, in order to help your employees or your students or your patients. Food first is a concept that you need to employ in all of those areas. And then to lay out why. Because, you know, it's not everybody's job to think about this, though everyone has a role in solving it, right? It's sure. our job to be thinking about it and to present it in really simple ways to people who will go, ah, I never thought about it that way before. So how does life change for students in education if those students, just by the fact of going to a school, are guaranteed household food security? 
How would that change that whole educational experience? How would it change the experience of a uh, person who's a who maybe has a health condition that takes home a prescription that says take with food and they don't have any food at home? How would hmm. it change their life if food security was a guaranteed part of their experience in health care? Those are the kinds of things that we bring to the table and say we need to be thinking about this because we can find ways to get food to people. That's what food banks all over this state are good at. Yes. So if we know how to get food to people, we know how to source that food, and all we need to do is connect those resources to people who are affected when food is not part of the solution, we're very far along in the answer already. Right. So time for a little food for thought. Jake Sullivan said, public policy is a study in imperfection. I, I agree. <laughs> public policy is a study in imperfection. It involves imperfect people with imperfect information facing deeply imperfect choices. So it's not surprising that we're getting imperfect results. But you know what's not imperfect is our heart, our motive, our motivation. And what drives Jerry and I and the other food bank directors and CEOs across this state to stand in the gap for the poor and make sure that children, seniors, and working families all have the food that they need in order to become self-sufficient. We're committed to that mission, and we're committing to influencing the influencers on their behalf. Thanks for listening. Catch all of our shows at foodsecuremichigan.org. And until next week, remember food first, folks. Food first. The award-winning Food for Thought is a presentation of the Food Bank Council of Michigan. 